Hey, good evening, and welcome to the Uptown Parlay Podcast. Now your host, Ace. Me and Malik both went with Buffalo and took New England to try to get a game lead on us. That did not work out very well for him. I am going to give you guys the recap of how we did last week, and I'm going to tell you how we are doing on the season. Last week I went 9-7, and and went 9-7, and seven, and Malik went 11-5 and five on the season. On my best bets, I am 26 and 34, and it's 29 and 31, and Malik is 28 and 32. That five in a week really helped him out. I went three and two last week, and went four and one last week, and Malik went three and two. It was a good thing he bet against the Bears, and it was a bad thing that I bet on the Bears. Not knowing that Justin Fields wasn't going to play was a huge, 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 huge mistake for me. But taking Pittsburgh and Jacksonville was two very, very big winners. Somehow I knew that uh, Baltimore was going to get cheated on the call when they absolutely did. Um, you probably heard from me on the recap show with my dad. That was a terrible pick, and I still stand by that. I'm recording this pretty late at night on Thursday or early Friday morning, so you guys are going to be getting this as early as possible. To all of our listeners out there, to all of our fans out there in the states that have legal sports betting, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Kansas, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, and coming online in January or February of this year, just in time for the Super Bowl, the great state of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hope everybody's tuning in to listen to this. We usually have a much more lively show with a couple of hosts and guests, but I'm the only one that's here today, and I'm going to be breaking down all the games for you. Pittsburgh and Atlanta. Pittsburgh's defense is able to hold on. Atlanta's been really good at home and really good against the spread. Atlanta's getting one point at home, and home underdogs have been playing really well. Pittsburgh has their full complement of defense back, but they are not really able to score. Losing Kyle Pitts may not have been a factor because I don't know if team's defenses were really accounting for him, knowing that they weren't going to him as much. Kenny Pickett is still a pretty average quarterback, but the same way Atlanta was able to beat Chicago, I think Atlanta will be able to beat Pittsburgh. They're able to put up points on teams that have so-so defenses, although Pittsburgh's defense is actually playing at a pretty high level. You know, they got broken down by Cincinnati later in the game, and they wore them down as they went along. I think the running game is going to play a big factor in that. I'm going to lean on Atlanta, getting those points at home, but I'm definitely going to be leaning towards the under on that one. That is going to be a, a, a definitely an under that I'm going to be betting on. And when it's taken to England, as is one of his best bets of the week, so he's already 0-1 in that respect. I don't know why he did that, to be completely honest, but maybe we'll hear from him on the next show next week. Green Bay at Chicago. Chicago getting three and a half points at home. It is trending towards Justin Fields being able to play. He had a limited session today, but him and Nathan Peterman are both taking first-team snaps. If Justin Fields plays, I'm going to take the Chicago Bears getting three and a half points at home, and I'm going to take the over because Green Bay is not going to ease up and Aaron Rodgers loves to beat up on the Bears fans. It's one of his favorite things to do. He has a sore finger, but the Bears don't really have a great pass rush. And with Eddie Jackson on IR, with Jaquan Brisker, their uh, rookie safety has been playing really, really well. Last week, unless he can come back this week and play, which I doubt he will be able to, I believe Jalen Johnson is one of the only um, starters in the secondary that they still have. Kendall Vildor, I don't know if he's going to be playing again. 
check the injury reports on that. But Justin Fields is there. I do believe the offense will have enough to get by Green Bay. Both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones had limited sessions this week, but it is week 13. We only have two teams on a bye, so we're losing one game with Arizona and Carolina. And I believe next week is the last week of byes. So Chicago will be going to their bye week, even though they're already eliminated from the playoffs. But win this week against Green Bay, they would be able to eliminate them and get Jordan Love back on the field. Um, too bad they don't have a dominant pass rusher like in years past because that would really give Rodgers problems because his guys haven't been able to separate really and doesn't really trust his receivers. So this would be a great time to take advantage of that. I think the Bears' victory is going to really be dependent on how well they can run the ball. And that's going to be dependent on whether or not Justin Fields can play because it looks as if Simeon is too hurt to be able to go. He has not practiced this week, and the fact that Nathan Peterman is getting prepared just in case is very worrisome. If Chicago has fields, as I said, likely, I don't know, but I really hope he tries to push them and play this one as a fan. I'd really like to see him play. Um, I want to see him get as many reps as possible because this kid really knows what he's doing. I should say this young man knows what he's doing. And he's going to be the future of that Bears franchise for a while. Next up, we got Jacksonville at Detroit. Jacksonville is getting one point on the road. Detroit is at home. The over-under is 51. I would take the over on this. That is going to be one of my things that I'm going to be locking in. You'll see my tickets as I post them on Saturday as I go go put those bets in. And at this point in the season, if you're not hitting over 50% of your games during the week, completely honest, that means you haven't been paying attention all year. Because we've already played through more than half of the season. About 60%, 70% of the season with about five, six games left. And if you don't understand who's good at what and what teams are really focusing on, then you haven't been paying attention. Jacksonville's defense is really not that good. It's just the fact that they were able to get Baltimore into certain situations, and they've been pretty terrible on the road. Um, therefore, I'm going to be taking Detroit, who actually had a three-game winning streak before getting it snapped in, by uh, Buffalo last, thanks, last week in Thanksgiving. I think Detroit can actually win this game outright. They have a better running game. Um, Travis Etienne really hasn't done much. Detroit's defense is pretty terrible. But I'm on Ross and Brown will be the best receiver on the field. So I'm going to lock in Detroit. It's my first lock of the week. Next up after that, we have the New, New York Jets at the Minnesota Vikings. Jets coming off of that beat down that they put down on the uh, they put down on the Chicago Bears. And Minnesota coming off a win that they got over the New England Patriots, who were turning in the wrong direction at six and six. Minnesota is second in the NFC at eight and two, I believe. Nine and two. At nine and two, leading the NFC North Division. The Jets are in third place at seven and four. After getting that big win over the after giving that big win over the Chicago Bears. Minnesota's secondary is a little bit banged up, but their pass rushes are pretty good. The Jets defense are playing at a high level. I don't know how Mike White is going to play against this team. Um, the fact that the Bears were actually able to stay close in the first half does let me know a lot. But the Bears came out and played tough. Uh, it wasn't enough to win, obviously, but that should give Jets fans some pause because if Mike White is able to execute the offense at the highest level right now for that team, it's really not a good sign that they were only up 17-10 in the first half against the Bears, which means they weren't covering yet. So the fact that they're going into Minnesota and they're the favorite and giving Minnesota three lets me know that they're overvaluing that win and they're really undervaluing what Minnesota did in 12. And I don't understand why, 
because the Jets' defense is as good as the Patriots' defense. Being in as such, Matthew Judon is leading the league in sacks with 13. So if the Vikings could beat him at home, minus two and a half, why would they be getting three points at home against the Jets? It doesn't really make much sense. So unless Minnesota's secondary is as shaky as everybody believes it is, which I don't think it is, I believe Minnesota should be able to cover this game. So I'm going to lock in the Minnesota Vikings to not only cover, but win this one. Oh, the Minnesota Vikings are giving three. That was put into the sheet wrong. Sorry about that, guys. Next up, we have Washington. Commies at the New York Giants. I believe that Washington is going to knock the Giants down. I believe their quarterback is playing at a higher level. Their defense is playing at a higher level, and they definitely have better receivers. The fact that everybody in the receiver room for the New York Giants is hurt really does not bode well for them. I do not see how they generate enough offense with just – I don't see how they generate enough offense with just uh, Saquon Barkley. When you can just key in on the running game, it is much, much easier to stop a team. Washington has a two-headed monster of Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. Terry McLaurin has 54 receptions. The next closest Giants receiver is Darius Slayton with 27. He has almost double the yards of Slayton as well. Daniel Jones only has 10 passing TDs. Taylor Heineke, I believe, has played four games or five games at seven TDs, five picks. Doesn't really matter with that, though, because the Commanders have found a way to win three straight games. They even beat Philadelphia at Philadelphia. So if they can go in and beat the best team in the NFC defensively and offensively, I really don't think the Giants stand a chance because Washington knows that it's going to be either the Giants or them to get into the playoffs. So if the commanders want to keep this going, keep improving, they're going to have to take this team down. Okay? The fact that they really only have to stop Saquon, who's a one-man team, but any one man can be stopped. The Giants' offensive line is not impenetrable. I don't know if Chase Young is going to play, but the rest of the defense have been playing very, very well. Their front seven's really good, which is why I think they've gotten this far below the NFC South and with Washington playing a weaker schedule because of the way they played last year. So that's definitely benefited them. But I do believe they're going to beat the Giants on this one, so I got to take them. Next up, we got Tennessee at Philadelphia. Tennessee's defense is playing amazing right now. I like the way their defense is very hard. No, it's very good, but they only know how to win one way. I'm going to take the over on this one, and I'm going to take the over on that last game, Washington and the Giants. Uh, Philadelphia has a great running offense. They have a great passing offense. They are going to be playing at home, so that's the good news about this. They only have to win by a touchdown. If Tennessee is going to lose last week to the Bengals by four points, and I really believe that the Eagles, who have a much more physical team and a much more physical defense, defensive front and offensive line, will be able to neutralize what Tennessee does best. Their pass rush is not going to work. Their secondary to cover. The only thing that worries me is that they'll be able to double-team A.J. Brown. Because Devonta Smith is playing with a groin injury, I don't know if he's going to be able to fully go, if he's going to be limited. If he was fully healthy as fast as he is, that would really spell a problem for them because they wouldn't be able to decide who they have to cover. They can double A.J. Brown. It might be a problem, but I think he really wants to perform well against his former team. And Philadelphia has the best secondary in the NFC, in my opinion. 
And I think that's been bared out by the stats and how they've played against most teams. Tennessee is always going to try to play as tough, try to play bully ball. But that is what Philly does best. So I'm taking Philadelphia, and I'm going to lock them in as my second lock of the week. And I'm going to take the over because the over-under is 44 and a half points. And next up after that, we have the Denver and Baltimore game. Denver is still trying to get right with Russell Wilson. And this is one of the largest spreads of the week for Baltimore. Baltimore is getting eight and a half after that terrible call that they lost with the two-point conversion giving up to Jacksonville. Baltimore is going back home. Denver still has an amazing defense. And Lamar Jackson is having an average season, I guess, for him, but really good for any other quarterback. Considering he's 12th in rushing and he also has 2,100 yards, only has seven picks on the season and 17 deep. 17 TD passes. Fortunately, without a better passing attack, this is going to be a very low-scoring game. The over-under is 39.5, and, and I think that's probably where it should be. Baltimore's defense is going to improve this week because Denver doesn't really have much of an offense. They do great drives, but they only hit field goals. So I think Denver's going to do enough to cover the spread, but I do not believe they're going to win. So I'm going to take Denver here, getting that A and a half. I don't think a blowout is going to come because regardless of whether or not people on the defense are upset with Russell Wilson or upset with the offense, I do think it's interesting that none of them, I think they're yelling at him because they can't yell at the head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett's probably going to end up getting fired at the end of the season. And if not, then the new owners of this team, who did not hire him, by the way, I, I, I don't think they really care about trying to win football games, but they keep this guy on because he clearly does not know what he's doing on offense. He clearly does not. Cleveland at Houston. Houston is the largest home dog of the week. They are getting seven points. They have moved on from Davis Mills and are trying a new quarterback. I really do not know who his name is, and I really don't think it matters. Uh, this is Sean Watson's first game back. Uh, I believe he will have a little bit of rust, but I do know that he probably wants to go down to Houston and crush it. Uh, they sat him out all last year, so he, he is healthy. He hasn't really played in a year and a half, but I don't, I'm don't. i not so confident that this game isn't going to end up in a push. But even if it does, I don't think it really matters who I pick anyway. I definitely would hit the under on this one. Uh, Amari Cooper uncharacteristically dropped a pass like we, last week that would have gotten them to win much easier. But I am going to take Cleveland on this one. Not be locking this in, but uh, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland should be able to win this game pretty easily. Damian Pierce probably be able to get the running game going. Um, I don't know how healthy the stats of the other running back that they traded for is. I cannot remember his name right now, but he will be a factor in this. So. Damien, Damien Pierce should be getting the ball the majority of the time. So I'm not really that concerned. You know, Benjamin may get a couple of touches, but it's not going to be as much of a factor. I mean, if they have, you know, Benjamin, it really will help because they'll be able to split it between both of them, probably run the ball like 30 to 40 times because they're going to want to slow it down as much as possible. And honestly, I'd probably try to make Sean Watson throw as much as possible. And Levy Smith is a good defense coordinator. But Deshaun Watson is a great NFL quarterback, so we'll see how that ends up going. Seattle at the L.A. Rams. It appears as if Aaron Donald is not going to be playing this week. Therefore, even though Seattle is going into L.A., I'm going to be taking the 
I'm going to be taking the Seahawks, giving seven, giving seven points to the Rams. Without Matthew Stafford, I just don't believe in this offense. Bryce Perkins is good. Allen Robinson is still nursing an ankle injury, and aside from that, they don't have the offensive weapons. Seattle's defense is good, not great. They're getting better, but their secondary is much, much better. And I do believe that Seattle will be able to win this game, and they'll be able to win this game handily. The over-under is 40 and a half, and I would take the over, and I would take Seattle. Uh, if you're playing Daily Fantasy, I would definitely take any of the receivers on Seattle. The Rams are good at stopping the run, but that is with Aaron Donald. So if Aaron Donald is limited or if Aaron Donald has to go on IR for just a couple of weeks, this is going to be a very easy pick, and I would jump on this early because this, this point spread could go as high as 9 or 10. And I'm pretty confident Seattle can beat them by a touchdown in the field goal, especially down in LA with good weather. So I'm going to lock in the Seahawks, take and lay those seven points. Next up, we have Miami and San Francisco. Miami is getting four points on the road, and that's all I need to hear. San Francisco has one of the best defenses in the league, but in my opinion, I think they're going to be limited by the quarterback, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and the over-under on this is 46. Both of their wide receivers are healthy for the league. They have Tua Tunga lower. They have Laramie Tunsil at their tackle. They have one of the best, best, Offensive lines in the NFL. They have a really good defense. They have Bradley Chubb, who's currently getting integrated into the defense. If they can get any kind of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, this will be one of the worst games San Francisco plays all year, and it will show why they try to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, as I said earlier in the year. Even though they're winning the NFC West, which has been a disappointing division, they are the best team in that division, but they are not the best team in the NFC by far. Miami is going to come in, and I believe they're going to beat the brakes off of them. So I'm leaning hard on Miami. This is one of my favorite picks. I'm definitely taking that over. Next up, we have Kansas City at Cincinnati, a rematch of the AFC title game. This game is dependent to me. The fact that Kansas City is laying two points to Cincinnati, I got to take Cincinnati just on that strength alone. It's not that I think they're ultimately the better team, but Cincinnati's known for a little bit bad weather. It's the first week of December. Kansas City's known for bad weather, so they're used to both playing in this weather. Kansas City's running game is really limited. Cincinnati basically has two starting running backs on their team. And Jamar Chase may actually play. They say he has a injury of a hairline fracture in his hip, which I'm kind of shocked that he's able to manage the pain after four weeks. But he had another limited practice, and even if he doesn't, they still have T. Higgins, Samaj P. Ryan, and the rest of those dudes down there. Uh, I mean, even their tight ends is, doesn't get enough credit for what he does for them in terms of the blocking scheme and everything that they run. This is going to be a quarterback duel, and I usually don't bet against Patrick Mahomes, but he does not have as many weapons as he normally does. So I don't know who's going to step up for them in the in the receiving world. Darius Tony would be a great addition right now, but I legitimately believe his hamstring is probably bothering him again. And he just showed up and wanted to play, and he played through it, and he might have aggravated it. Who knows? But at this point in the year, everybody's dealing with injuries, and they've already had a bye week. So he's not going to get much more rest and get any healthier between now and the rest of the season. So that being said, i got to take Cincinnati because they just have more of a 
or offensive weapons. It's not even the difference in terms of how good the quarterback can be. It's more the fact that I believe in the players that are around Joe Burrow than, I, than it is believing in the players that are around Patrick Mahomes. It'll be a loss, but it'll be a close loss. And all Cincinnati has to do is really win the game to win this one. So I'm going to lock in Cincinnati. I believe that's my fourth lock of the week. And I only have one more for you guys, but two points at home for Cincinnati and over under a 53. I'm going to take the under on that. I don't think that it's going to be as high scoring as we think. I think one team is going to let down. They'll be prepared. And Andy Reid definitely knows how to get the offense going. And he has one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. But clearly the AFC is drowning in talent, especially at the quarterback position. So this is going to be a great game to watch. I'm just a little disappointed they didn't flex this into the uh, Sunday night football game. The Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. I see no reason why to take the Raiders, even though they're the favorite and they're at home. I think the Chargers are going to bury them. The fact that the Raiders were able to come back and beat Seattle was kind of surprising to me. The Chargers are giving their best defensive players days of rest on Tuesdays, along with Monday. So Khalil Mack is resting and Derwin James is resting. They want these guys healthy down the stretch. And I'm glad that their coach is smart enough to realize, you know, getting the rust off and playing every day doesn't keep them healthy. Giving them an extra day of rest is smart. Uh, Cleo Mack, they're going to need him because they do not have Joey Bosa. So without that pressure, they're going to be in trouble. Las Vegas has had a couple of good games, but I do not think they're going to be able to perform at a level high enough to be able to beat the Chargers. In fact, the Chargers were able to come back last week and beat Arizona in Arizona. says a lot to me. So I believe in the Chargers, especially when it comes to the expense of the Raiders, especially after last year. Give me the Chargers getting one. I think they're going to win this outright, and the over-under is 50. And this will probably be the highest-scoring game of the week. Over-under is 50 and a half. I'm definitely going to hit the over on that one, and I think you should as well. If you have any prop bets about which game will be the highest scoring of the week, hit this one. If you can find any prop bets in Austin Eagler scoring a touchdown, take this one. It's unlikely that Mike Williams is going to play, but as usual, check the injury reports. And luckily, because this is a dome, it will not be a factor. As with a lot of the games this week, we have Houston, L.A., Vegas, Dallas, Tampa, Atlanta, Detroit, and Minnesota. So a lot of dome teams this week. So not as much, not too much late weather affecting it and the, and the Rams. So not too much weather affecting it. San Francisco is San Francisco weather in December. It'll be about 50 degrees, 45 degrees. It won't get much colder than that. And not too, maybe, maybe a bit windy, but it's always windy up in San Francisco, whether it's nice weather or bad weather. It could also be 65 and sunny. We don't know in Santa Clara County. Indianapolis at the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are favored by 10 and a half. Indianapolis lost last week. Um, it's just a matter of talent. Their quarterback is cooked. It's not that Matt Ryan is no longer great. He is no longer good. He can't play at a super high level. Dallas's defense is very opportunistic. They're 8-3. and three. They have the home field advantage. It would be shocking if the Colts won this game. Their past two games, oh, it was the Steelers who I took last week. The Steelers beat, that's right, the Steelers beat Indianapolis, and they were able to sneak out a win against Las Vegas. They lost to Pittsburgh, and they lost to Philly, and then they 
deep fakes after Jeff uh, Saturday's first game. Unfortunately, this will be his fourth, uh, his third loss in a row. This is the Sunday night football game. It's a primetime game, so I'm going to get a chance to see it. He mismanaged a few with the clock issues, but he has some help there in terms of coaches he can lean on. He will be more prepared for that this week as a coach. But more realistically, it's the team and the defense that is going to be the issue. I think that Prescott is starting to get healthier. I think that Michael Gallup there is going to make a difference. C.D. Lamb is going to be able to be a difference maker. The only thing that they're really going to be without is Dallas Schultz. As long as Zeke and Tony Pollard can continue running the ball in that thunder and lightning style that they have going on down there, that offense is going to shine. The over-under is 44. With the 10.5 point spread, all of the big spreads covered last week, I'm going to believe that the Dallas Cowboys are going to cover this week. That being said, I will not lock in the Dallas Cowboys my last lock, but I will be taking the Dallas Cowboys to win this game. Not shocking to you, Dallas is probably one of the better teams in the league. And as much as I think Saturday motivates them to play, they do want to end their season on a high note because it's not about playing for them. It's about playing for their jobs and their future. Jonathan Taylor is a really good running back. Dallas has an okay rushing offense. Problem is that they really only have one receiver they can count on, and that's Michael Pittman. Alec Pierce, their rookie wide receiver, and a good deep threat is very hit or miss. Um, Dallas, I think, may be surprised by him, but I don't know if Matt Ryan can get him the ball consistently. So there's more reasons to back that up. If I had more stats, I'd give them to you, but I'm analytics and feel, and my feel and the analytics say that Indianapolis really shouldn't cover this one. They were able to stay with Philadelphia as long as they were because Philadelphia was playing them at home. Now they're on the road for the first time since they went to Vegas, and Vegas' defense was kind of up and down. Dallas is a more solidly built team. And the way that they would do that, they were able to beat up on the Green Bay Packers and on the Giants consistently, who are both better teams talent-wise, in my opinion. I will not be shocked if they're able to beat down the Indianapolis Colts. So they lost the Green Bay Packers by three, but this is not that. And they do not have Aaron Rodgers or the receivers to be able to take this. Give me New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is giving three and a half points to New Orleans. I think New Orleans just has their number. I don't know what it is. I do not know why. This is the lowest. This is the second lowest uh, point spread over under of the week. This is the second lowest over under of the week. And this is our Monday night football game, which is kind of wild that they wouldn't have wanted to flex this out themselves either. These teams, these teams, are they doing this back-to-back stuff? They're doing this back-to-back. So they're playing at Tampa. They're going to have a bye week, and Tampa goes down to Atlanta. This is crazy. You know, they really screwed up the schedule this year. It does, does not make any sense to me. They're playing divisional games back-to-back weeks as opposed to spreading it out because why? Saints are 4-8, and eight, Bucks are 5-6. and six. Whoever wins this game will actually take control of, and take control of the division depending on what happens with the Atlanta Falcons game. Everybody knows they're playing for their future. Everybody in this division is either five, has either five wins or four wins. Two five-win teams, two four-win teams. This is what the playoff teams and the playoff pushes for. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to I'm going to take Tampa at home, and I'm going to lay those three and a half. Tom Brady's going to find a way to win this game. They almost found a way to win it last week. The Wolves defense is good. They are not great. They've lost some uh, pieces of the secondary, which is why Philadelphia got better. 
they do have a good pass rush. They do have some good linebackers. But Tampa has better offensive weapons. Mike Evans is not playing his best, but if he can improve a little bit, they should be able to get by this team. They still have Antoine Winfield Jr. And I believe that overall, the talent level on Tampa is better than the talent level on New Orleans, even with the running back situation. Uh, they have a pretty good running back on Rashad White as a rookie, and Leonard Fournette is healthy. So I'm going to lay that three and a half, and I'm going to take Tampa. And that's going to be my final lock of the week. Actually, I'm going to make my lock of the week the Chargers. And I'm just going to leave that game. I probably won't actually end up betting that game, but who knows? I'll see how I feel when I get to the sports book. And now we are back with the college football picks. Personal favorite of mine, and I'll make sure to get these in as early as possible. I'll be posting these on Friday night. Maybe sooner, depending on when I can get down to the book in Rhode Island. We have Akron at Buffalo. Buffalo's laying 11 and a half. They need to win this game to get bowl eligible. My alma mater, I think they will do it. They need to do it to be able to get to a bowl game. Akron is 2 and 9, although they did win their last big last game. And this game is going to be playing Friday at 1 o'clock. I will not be betting this, but I'll be rooting for my Bulls. I would like to say I'm very pleased with how the teams play this year. They lost a few close games, but, you know, if we're going to call them kids, I guess I got to hold the adults responsible. I'd say that's on the coaching. I said that's on the offense coordinator on the defense coordinator. They need to get these guys prepared better because if not, who will? Now to the conference championship week. UTSA is minus eight and a half against the North Texas Mean Green. UTSA is ten and two. Unfortunately, now I see why everybody's leaving Conference USA. The conference championship game is on CBS Sports Network. So unless you have cable, you will not be able to see this one. It's not even on ESPN two or ESPNU. That's that's pretty bad. Or FS one for that matter. But UTSA is a great team. Bet the over under six and nine and a half. I would take the under on that. I don't think North Texas is going to do much. And I don't expect UTSA to drop 60 or 50 points in this game. Uh, 40 to 20, 42, 20 win, 21 win would put them just in under the under. And that's what I'm going to lean on there. Utah at USC. Bet the under on this one. Utah beat them earlier in the year. You can go and look back at the score of that game. But it was not a very productive game for the Trojans. It was one of their worst offense performances of the year. They lost 43-42. Although they put up a bunch of points. Actually, I take that back. Their worst offense performance of the year was against Oregon State. Washington's number 11. They were at Utah for that one. They were at Utah for that one at USC. They're 11th in passing yards, 80th in rushing yards. 80th in rushing yards. And Cameron Rising will not be the better quarterback in this one. Caleb Williams is a star, and if that kid plays amazing in this one at a neutral site field, which I believe he will, and U- USC is only minus two and a half. Utah was able to pull off the victory at home, and I think it had to do with the fact that they were at home and in the mountains. So, expect the Trojans to be in the CFP. There is no spread on the New Mexico State game they were able to schedule against Valparaiso. Both those teams are five and six. Valpo is a FCS team from Indiana, and I think the Aggies are just trying to get bowl eligible because there's still spots around, and even though they're an independent, then being able to go to a bowl game with Jerry Hill for a season would be a huge accomplishment considering they had a one five games or six games in a season in about seven or eight years. 
Kansas State at TCU, or Kansas State at TCU. I don't know where this game is being played, but Kansas State, TCU for the Big 12 title game on ABC. TCU is minus two and a half, lock in TCU. Nothing I've been more sure about than that. The Horned Frogs are not going to let up another game to TCU. They know this Kansas State team well. The fact that they've already played them is good. The coaches have tape to go over it. They know how to game plan for it. I believe TCU is the better defense. I believe they're the best team in that conference. And the fact that they were able to hand Oklahoma and Texas the way they were, even though they're not very good teams, those, the laundry on the shirts doesn't matter, which is why they're going over to the SEC. And they have given basically the teams left in the Big 12 who can run through that league an easy pathway to the playoff before expansion and post-expansion because it's still a Power 5 league and they're still going to be getting high-quality talent out of Texas. And with TCU in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they're going to be getting most of the good players out of North Texas. Coastal Carolina at Troy Trojans. I believe Troy is hosting this game. It's on the ESPN on Saturday at 3.30. So after you get done watching that K-State game, you can tune into this. I'm going to be taking Troy. Coastal Carolina lost um, their last game. I do believe that Troy is actually the better team. They're favored by eight and a half. They've been the most consistent team on both sides of the ball. And I saw Coastal Carolina play against Buffalo, and they were not that good. This team has had a very good run. They've built a really good program. But I do expect Troy to win the Sun Belt Championship this year. So shout out to the other Trojans of Troy. LSU and Georgia, the SEC title game. I don't know if Georgia's going to try to put the beat them down on LSU. It doesn't seem like a team that's going to have a lot of uh, mercy to give, but I do believe LSU is going to be much more motivated than they were playing Texas A&M at Matt A&M and losing that game. I guess they had an outside shot of making it to the CFP if they could beat Georgia as a 9 and as a 10 and 2 team, but without double digit wins and three losses, I really don't see how they could put them in. Even if Georgia loses, which I don't believe they will, they may not cover this game, but I'm going to be taking LSU to cover. I will take those 17 and a half points. Georgia has not covered every spread. But they definitely will win this game. And LSU is going to fight and claw with every fiber of their being to try to win an SEC title. They've had very big wins all year. That Tennessee game and that Alabama game have been huge. Tulane will rock UCF. Tulane is 10 and 2. They are going to win this game. They are going to be ranked in the top 15. And they are going to be playing in a major bowl game for the first time in a long time. It's not since Sean King was there, former quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and former Tulane two Green Wave. Michigan hosting Purdue. Michigan is minus 17, and Blake Corum is out for the rest of the year. The Boilermakers are a good team, but as I saw earlier in the season when they lost to Syracuse in Cuse, they are not a great team, and Michigan is. They know how to game plan. They are not going to be worried. They are not going to be shook. You can watch this game after you watch the SEC title games. You can have a full Saturday. And last and definitely not least, Boise State, Ant's favorite team. I'm going to be taking Boise State over the Bulldogs. Both of these, this is going to be actually a really good game. Eight and four, Fresno State versus nine and three. Boise Boise is going to get to their 10th win in their another Mountain West title. Um, they should have changed quarterbacks sooner. They'd probably be undefeated, and you might be talking about them crashing the CFP. Quebec Boise State to be even better next year, but the fact that they've been able to do all this, I believe, with a sophomore quarterback or a redshirt freshman is impressive to me. Boise State's going to be consistently good. I really don't understand why the Pac-12 doesn't add them. 
Uh, personally, I think they should add them. They should add four teams. They should add Boise, Fresno State, San Diego State. And then, honestly, I would go ahead and steal SNU from the American just so you could have a team in Texas just to mess with the Big 12. But I don't run these conferences, so it is what it is at this point. I think those would actually add more TV viewers, and it would add a couple of new states, and it would give them a foothold back in Southern California. San Diego State would actually improve them because they're building new facilities, and who doesn't want to stay at home in San Diego and play in a major conference? And also, it gives all the schools in the Pac-12 who don't have fertile recruiting ground and trying to keep kids in California. It gives them more of a reason not to leave because all the no-cal kids don't have to just go to Cal and Stanford. And USC, even with Lincoln Riley, is great, and it's nice to compete for titles, but now you're going to have to go to, now you're going to have to go through the Big Ten. So we'll see how that works out for them in 2024 because I think they have one more year together with this conference. But I think they should start thinking about adding more teams so they could, so they can uh, keep it as competitive as possible. And that is it for this week's folks. Uh, if you won, tell your friends. If you lost, tell your friends. Please follow our picks. Follow Malik's picks, my picks. We'll be posting them uh, in the blog this week because they weren't able to make it onto the podcast this week. For whatever reason, I don't really remember why, but uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be hearing from them next week. And as always, I'm the only one here, so I'll be going to my shout-outs. Shout-out to all the Boston Celtics fans who saw it fit to boo uh, the those two people who don't really have a job and call themselves Royals in England. Uh, I thought that was pretty hilarious. They're giving, they're here giving out money for climate change, so good on them for doing some good work. And, uh, you know, giving away some money to people who are actually trying to accomplish something. I appreciate that. But them getting booed still always just makes me chuckle. I don't know why. It always just kind of makes me laugh. Um, shout out to all the coaches on the coaching carousel. Tom Herman going to FAU. Shout out to Deion Sanders. I really hope you end up taking uh, the UCF job, USF job. I'd really like to see you in the state of Florida recruiting guys to an FBS school, almost a power, almost a power conference job. Because you'd be in Tampa, which is a major city, and not and being able to convince guys not to leave the state of Florida and just come there and play, and having your son son Shador step up to a level where he probably should have been at, where you know he was ready for anyway, it's amazing what you built in Jackson State, and I'm glad you've elevated the swag the way you've done. I really think you've done right by those kids, and you've gotten them an education, fought for them to to be able to get more opportunities of playing football and get more focus on the HBCU level. The SWAC is a good conference, and I honestly believe if Tad Jackson State played some of those big sky schools, some of those Missouri Valley schools, and some of those, uh, I believe Southland Conference is one of the power conferences, Colonial, you would have beaten them. Shame on Delaware for ducking them. It, I do find it interesting that the FCS level doesn't catch as much heat for not playing schools from around the country, especially when you know one of the best schools in the country is in Mississippi. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. And last but not least, shout out to my New York Knicks for somehow scoring 130 points against Detroit, but then dropping easy games on the road. It's one of the most infuriating things as a Knicks fan to just be just out of the playing round. But the fact that Miami is right there with you shows that I guess we're not as bad as we think we are. So I'm definitely enjoying that. And please follow along with us as all those states I shouted out earlier. Enjoy all those bonuses. Enjoy all those bets. 
whether you listen in the car, whether you listen at your home, whether you listen to your earpods while you're trying to get some work done or running at the gym, please follow, like, and subscribe. Follow me, Ace, Ant, and Malik on Twitter, and follow us at the Uptown Parlay on Twitter and on Instagram, where I post videos and some of our picks. You'll be hearing from us more and more. I'm trying to put out a spreadsheet analyzer for the NBA bets. As soon as I uh, start learning a little bit more of that Python, I'm going to be putting that out. If people want to purchase that, they will be available to purchase on my blog. I don't know if people will be willing to do that, but I'm going to be doing more stuff like that. And thank you for listening. Listen on Podcast Addict, Podbean, where we are hosted, Google Podcasts, Apple Tunes, Apple iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts available to you. Thank you. We are out.